Bill, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you? Good, good, good. Thank you, dude, so much for uh, meeting me. Yeah, of course. How's, uh, how's things going after uh, opening, closing, opening, closing, opening, closing? That's why I didn't want to mess around the last round. It was, it was, uh, we didn't want to deal with it. We just stayed with the to-goes on the last round because I didn't want to have to close again because it's so hard to bring everybody on, get everybody trained up, and you got to lay them off again. You know? So we just waited. And we just guessed. We're like, we're going like, to hold tight. And we set uh, with our management team. We said we're going to wait until March 18th. We're going to do the anniversary of the first day of shutdown. Hopefully by then, I think we're going to be able to be open at that point. And it was so funny because they actually uh, announced it that you could reopen on the 17th. So we, it was just a crazy guess. <laughs> right day. I started there for a while thinking I was bad luck because I every time I went within two days, uh, you shut down again. So I, I was telling the friends that we kept going with, I was like, dude, we just can't do this to them anymore. We, we keep shutting the guys down. <laughs> nah, uh, so uh, are you from Sacramento? Uh, pretty much. I was born in Hong Kong, but when I came over, I was uh, about six months old. So I've been here ever since. So pretty much. In Sacramento? Yep. Nice, nice. What what area did you grow up in? Uh, South Sacramento. We um, immigrants. Uh, my parents uh, fled Vietnam during the Vietnam War. Uh, got on a boat, got landed in a refugee camp in Hong Kong when she was pregnant with me. That's where I was born, and then from there we came to Sacramento, and then been here ever since. Uh, just did a little brief stint in San Francisco when I went to culinary school, but been in Sacramento the whole time. Uh, French Culinary Academy. Uh, yeah, the the culinary. Uh, California. Uh, California Academy on Polk Street over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. And when did you go there? What year? I think it was uh, graduated in 2002. So, okay. Now, are you from the restaurant business? Like, where your did your family have restaurant, or what made you choose? Yes. Uh, well, I'm the youngest of uh, with four older siblings, four sisters. Uh, my parents came over here. They didn't speak the language. They couldn't do much. So they're stuck in their community. And yes, they ended up opening up a, a restaurant. They partnered up with, I think, some relatives. Had a Chinese restaurant for a little while. Um, and no, by no means, like, it was my dream to be a chef or restaurant tour. My parents were actually quite upset when I uh, dropped out of school and college and just went wanted to work. I just wanted to work and make money. They were really upset with other sisters. You know, they all went to college and you know, got you know, regular, regular jobs. And, you know, they were quite upset about that. They're, you know, they're like, we did it was such a struggle to come to the uh, America, U.S. You do whatever you want. You just want to work in restaurants. So they weren't really happy, but they're, they're happy now. Um, yeah. I think they wanted to see me do something like the, when I actually went to culinary school and then show that this is something I really want to do instead of just, you know, just working somewhere, you know, yeah. um, was it, but I think it all stemmed from, I just wanted to work. I think I started working young, uh, you know, we grew up really, really poor. So uh, in high school, I got a work permit just to work. Uh, and the first job I had was at a Japanese restaurant. Uh, are you you're from Sacramento too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember Fuji's on Broadway? Now it's Iron Steaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's Iron Steaks now. It still looks like the Japanese building with the, the shingles on top and everything. It's really funny, yeah. Yeah, so the the, the, the family that owned it um, was around my siblings. I knew, oh, so it was a couple of sisters and then a, a son that 
they were all siblings that ran it, but um, I knew one of the sons of the one of the uh, owners that was running the restaurant, and he got me a job as a busboy. So I started there as a busboy dishwasher. So this is they're a huge restaurant, tiny, tiny sushi bar. I don't think sushi was really popular yet. Sushi really blew up when, you know, Makuni came on the scene and Taro made it really, really cool. Yeah. Um, this restaurant was huge, two stories, but the sushi bar was tiny. So I started there as a busboy dishwasher, very old school restaurant, uh, two sushi chefs. There's three, actually two main ones and another one. The two main ones hated each other, couldn't work with each other at all. Um, one day they both, I think they both ended up pissing off the, the, the third guy. He left. And uh, I was there for a while. So they just asked me if I wanted to learn how to do sushi, just to help with prep. You know, I'll always be working with one or the other guys. So I, I just jumped on the opportunity. Um, still, I didn't enjoy it. It was, it was a job. I just wanted to work um, while working, you know, uh, going to school, tried college for a couple of years. I didn't like that. I just wanted to work. I ended up dropping out of school and working. Um, I think during that time, I had a friend that was working over at McCoonies, and they were what, really just blowing up and opened their second location. I think they had plans to do, like, catering. They're, they're, they're just, like, getting ready to open up multiple locations. They're doing, like, uh, sushi platters at the uh, Arco Arena for the Kings, and the Kings were, you know, still good at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I had a friend that, uh, like, recruited me. He said, hey, come over here, check this place out. You know, we need chefs. We're opening this thing. And I was like, Okay, sure. You know, then during that time, sushi wasn't a passion or anything. I was, it was just a job. I didn't even eat it. Um, it was really traditional. Fuji's, they, they're this the fish. You don't put anything on it. It was really simple. Like the rolls were small. You had the fish on the inside, but not all these sauces or anything like that. So, you know, I just knew how to do it that way. Um, but I wasn't going out to eat or studying it because it was just a job. I just did what they told me. And so I got recruited to go to Coonies to have an interview with Tarlow. And the interview was even an interview. He told me to come this time and I came. They're like, oh, just save a seat for me at Sushi Bar in front of him, sat down. He just started making me food and eating and just asked me questions and this, that. And then we just ended with, uh, when do you want to start? I was like, what? You know, so that was really cool. But I think it was just, just being there changed my whole thing. It was really, really cool. I wasn't 21 yet, but, you know, it looked like uh, the chefs were like bartenders. They're like rock stars, cool. They had bleach hair, wearing their bandanas. Uh, everybody and there's so many of them because the sushi bars were huge and uh, everybody had their guests like interaction it seems so fun I was like yeah I'm gonna work here this looks fun it's cool it's not quiet um, so started working there and I think over there that's when it kind of really piqued my interest but this this is fun like uh, uh, you're pretty much playing with food like the uh, specials were encouraged and it was fun I think that's where I started to like really really enjoy what I was doing and appreciate it uh, and then from there, I was there for not too long, six months. And then from there, I was like, I want to keep learning, you know. So I just, from there, I just bounced from restaurant to restaurant to restaurant, just learning. So I know every restaurant does things differently, and I just wanted to learn as much as I can. Um, so I just bounced from restaurant to restaurant, uh, working around. I think uh, I was at Taka Sushi, the longest in Fair Oaks. Um, and then from there, I wanted to open my own restaurant and realized that I really don't know anything else but sushi. So I wanted to learn how to cook and I wanted to learn management. Um, and, you know, just other styles of food too. That's where I, when I wanted to go to culinary school, moved out to San Francisco, went there, did the whole program where, you know, there's a little, little bit on wine management, uh, mainly French cuisine. And then when I came back, I worked with Randall Sullen at the kitchen. 
kitchen, you know, rent, I still consider the kitchen the best restaurant in Sacramento. Um, I went there, I did my uh, internship there. I had dinner there right before I went for, for uh, moved to San Francisco. And that night, you know, Randall and Noah was still working there at the time. I asked Randall, I said, this place is awesome. I thought, I'm going to be done. I'll be back in two years. I have to do my uh, internship somewhere. Where I would love to do it here. And he's like, yeah, just hit me up and come back. And I did. So I did my internship there and I ended up staying, working a little longer with him there. And then right after that, that's when we opened up Crew in 2005. Nice. Nice. So you didn't, have you spent any time in Japan? Uh, yes, I did. Well, just uh, tr- research trips, and but not working anywhere out there. Yeah, I I will tell you that your food is phenomenal, dynamite. Like it's 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 really good, and uh, I mean we will we we will drive all the way down to like Napa or something for lunch, um, you know, just to just to have something that's good, or we kind of eat at your place. So it's kind of one of the two, you know. Thank <laughs> you. Um. So. Uh, so everything was just kind of really, truly self-taught other than just a stint at the Culinary Academy. Yeah, just right there. And then I just learned that the restaurant, I mean, in the beginning, I remember in 2005, we first opened, uh, I was 24 years old, uh, fresh out of culinary school. And I remember there was people were like, who's this kid opening this restaurant? And I remember you know, I wanted to do different stuff on food and uh, just have my take on, on the sushi. And people are like, he's not Japanese. Why is he doing sushi? And um, why is he putting foie gras on the menu and black truffles? And you know, now, now I mean, it's like uh, 15 years later, it, it, it's cool. <laughs> but uh, we're doing it back then. But I'm, I remember, I mean, I just I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not Japanese. So I, I fell in love with this cuisine. Um, I was like, you're not Japanese. Why are you eating sushi? You know, um, it's, I joke around to this day. I was like, you know, what if my first job was at Spaghetti Factory? Crew might be a pasta shop. <laughs> you, know, you never know. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's like, uh, it's, I didn't plan on anything, but I just, it was just a job that I ended up falling in love with the cuisine. That's funny. <laughs> I, I didn't realize how new you were back then, but it was probably right around 2005, 2006 that I was downtown mm. and ran into one of the guys from, do you remember uh, Tesla, the band Tesla? Yeah. Was it Brian? Do you know Brian? Was it Brian Week? I'm not friends with them. Like okay. I, just, I just ran into, I was like, Hey, you're a dude from Tesla, you know? And they were like, come on down. We're going to go into the, the best sushi restaurant around and <laughs> went down. And I was like, this place is phenomenal. Like was, this place is awesome. awesome. So, I mean, it was really small, very cozy, but you know, it was, it was special. Um, yeah. The, the, the whole band will always come right before they go on tour they would meet at crew and they'll meet up and then they'll go on their tours. So they'll come to, come down several times a year. The bass player lived down the street. So he came a lot. Um, it, was just, it was so cool. So many people have come and gotten like past the team employees to regulars. Like I've seen customers come in, bring their kids. Now their kids are in their twenties and <laughs> people that are on date and yeah. now they're kids. Um, and even friends that work there. I mean, like, uh, Simon from uh, De Beers, uh, oh, not Simon, Henry. Henry from uh, De Beers, you know, we were friends before when he was working at Icon, but then he worked at Crew for a little bit before he got uh, De Beers started. And then he actually proposed to his wife, took his wife there for first date, proposed to her there and, you know, seeing everybody. Like, there's so much uh, history with everything. Yeah. It's just it's so 
Yeah. Now the the expansions expansion into the pokey places and stuff like that. Uh, I know that place out in Carmichael had to have been rough. Uh, that place was. I think it's just too early, maybe, or Carmichael That's wasn't really. It was really rough. It, it, the idea sounded great. Like I remember uh, when they were talking about it, they brought out a bunch of restaurateurs. Everybody was looking at it. It was a great idea. I think, yeah, either at the time or I don't know if public markets work well in Sacramento, like Oxbow, right? And then Napa, yeah. they, they kill it. It's such an amazing concept. Um, uh, out there on the wharf in San Francisco. Um, ferry building. Out there. Yeah, the ferry building. It's all these places work. Like in, in New York, you, you, you have these things, but I don't know what it is. Like, it doesn't, is it the population or just maybe the location probably? Yeah. You know, it was, it was kind of hard uh, out there. I think everybody was doing what, what they could and then nobody, nobody came out out there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, really, really. The, um, when, when Oxbow first opened, uh, you would go there on a Saturday for, for a long time. So a bunch of them, I thought maybe this is kind of what was going on. Places would come and go at the beginning of Oxbow. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't at a hit and it took, it was about two years. And then all of a sudden it was just like, boom, boom, boom. you know, that taco stand weathered the storm, you know? And yeah, yeah. yeah. And they 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 blew it up, you know. Yeah. Uh, now you can't even walk through. Yeah. Exactly, and it's so crazy. But well, I mean, we even went into uh, Emeryville Public Market thinking the same thing too. Like you know, it's gonna uh, you know some of the tenants uh, there were from Oxbow as well. They're like just bringing up. It's the same thing, you know. It took us a, a year, two years before it really got going. And, you know, it's just really tough out there. So we ended up closing the Emeryville location, too, because it's just uh, both just taking a toll driving out there every week, but also just the, the, the rent and the wages are completely different. You know, yeah. it, it was, we couldn't wait it out. How, how is it? So with with all of the, um, you know, like you said, where did you learn the business part? It's not just your, you can cook, but it's the business part too, which is that's the hardest the, business in the world, you know? That's like just as important or more important than, you know, the food or the skills or the talent, the business side. I think so many entrepreneurs or restaurateurs or chefs going in, wanting to open a restaurant, hits them hard. That's when it'll break them. Is that, okay, you're so uh, a talented chef, you're working all day, you plan the menu, you're working the line, and then end the night, you're like, what, I gotta split up the tips for everybody? Or, you know, I gotta you know, figure out the taxes, I gotta pay these bills, you know, you always think about those things. Like, uh, I, and I didn't think about those things. Like, luckily I had a, a partner, Peter, he was a, a partner at Takas that, that we went and opened crew together. But same thing, it's, it's very different styles and way I wanted to do things. But it was very much a uh, sink or swim situation the first year and a half we were in. I was super green, and it was like we were butting heads all the time. So I never really knew the business side of it. And then I would bring in all this expensive greens and want to use this, I want to buy that. And he's like, we can't afford that, you know, because you got to sell it for this much. And I was like, what do you mean? We just got to sell it. Um, and there was a lot of, like, butting heads on that stuff because I didn't get it, you know. Uh, but I had to learn real quick. You know, yeah. that it's it's a business. It's not a hobby. You have to 
make food that people want to eat, even though I want to do crazy things. Like I was saying in the beginning, I was trying to incorporate all these things, but sometimes originally I didn't want to have some, some roles on the menu or certain items, but you have to do it, you know, because it's still a business. You have to sell some things so you could put some things on menu that don't really make money uh, for your own passion. Yeah. And those are the things I had very quickly because the first year and a half we were not making money uh we're losing money or every time we had uh, made a little bit of money we had to put it back to the building that building was such an old building old old house that was turned into a commercial space it was cell students for 15 years there was a couple other concepts before we came in came in and you know it was very cheap rent but there's a building that you don't have to yeah a lot of stuff had to be fixed so every time we made a little bit of money we had to put it back in to fix the building so um yeah it was really tough the first year and a half two years so it was really i i just learned on the fly <laughs> did you take any like uh like uh did you go to any like uh pnl classes for 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 real estate or for so real estate for uh restaurants and stuff like that or no, just, just looking up some line but then a lot of that uh, stuff i was uh relying on my partner peter and he would explain to me things as we went along and, and things together and just learn that way yeah. it's good because uh you could really go down quick i mean it's you can go down quick if you don't have that kind of that mentor relationship of somebody that's done it exactly that's why i said i was very lucky to have him help me and 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 you know trust him um i've seen i mean i've had friends that open business and you know they just didn't understand all that stuff the pnls and the money coming in and you have to pay these taxes you can't whatever money is in the bank account at this time it's not your money you can't go start spending it you know it's yeah. once you're paid clear you have to pay the pay the taxes there's all this stuff you have to let it sit in there you know whatever yeah, money yeah. Back, you know it's like uh I, i've heard stories and seen some friends who open businesses and, and yeah they didn't have they didn't know that side and then they had to close now, did you bring on, so this new spot, absolutely beautiful, right? Uh, it, that couldn't have, couldn't have been cheap. Did you bring on uh, investors to put that whole thing yeah. together? At the old location, it was just me and my partner. We went in with a very different time. So, you know, we were able to, to, to get it started for really cheap. But uh, with this new location, we had to build everything from ground up. It wasn't a pre-existing restaurant. So we uh, brought on some investors and first time dealing with investors and that, that was a new experience for me too so first time building a restaurant from the ground up brand new and then uh dealing with the investors so it's all a learning process good all good stuff to, to it's learn a lot to build a place out right i mean you're just <laughs> yeah uh question so i noticed uh, at the at the new place before like you felt very uh we would always love to sit up at the i didn't like that back room at the old place you felt like you felt like you were you yeah. were sent to your room or something the little cave with that little yeah. ceiling. uh but the the sushi bar up front uh that was always like we tried to get in there and get that sushi bar um and you felt like um you were with them, like they were, they were two feet away from you at this new place. You have that really wide. What did you go with the big wide? Uh... I didn't, I didn't want to at all. Um, that was just uh, what the um, health department and permitting wanted us to do. Really? So at the old, I mean, I'm sure it's different now. When we're building out, there was a specific amount of inches needed or you needed a glass barrier. Like, at the buffets yeah. so at the old crew we you didn't have to do it because we had those sushi cases so those sushi cases are 
a barrier barrier. Gotcha. But what I wanted to do is like very traditional counter like in Japan where the guests can see everything going on. There's no obstruction, there's no sushi case blocking with all of our fish in refrigerated drawers underneath. And that's what I wanted. But then when we started building out and we have the drawings and we went and submitted, they're like, nope, you can't have it like that. It needs to be 36 inches this wide and have to go another night. I can't remember the exact inches, but it had to be a certain length or you have to put up a sneeze guard. And I was like, well, that's going to be weird. Like, how are we going to talk if you have a sneeze guard blocking? So yeah. we'll go with the bits. And, you know, it was fun before uh, it felt like you were really close. Like, even when we made each piece of the gearing, we handed it over to exactly, the plate. Yeah. So very close. Like, I can literally put it in your mouth. Yeah. I think a lot of people like that, you know, and now it's like, it's just for me to reach to put it on your plate when we do the omakase uh, nigiri piece by piece. Like we have to like struggle and reach. So, like, I feel like one day we're going to like pull our back out, <laughs> but that's not, that wasn't by design that we wanted it that way. It was something we had to do if we didn't want to have like a sneeze guard or barrier. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, is there any big like plans from here, such as like, uh, are you going to do a yakitori restaurant or anything good like that? I have so many plans on things, and now I just want to sit tight and do nothing. <laughs> or, I mean, not do nothing, the whole last year did nothing. Um, I'm just really happy that the, the locations that we have are open, and now it's just to get back into them and get going again. You know, like it's just, uh, we're very lucky to keep a uh, all of our core members at all the restaurants working through the whole thing. We kept almost, at crew, we kept almost all our employees working. Pretty lucky for that. So I just want to get back in. But just having that year off, even though we're still working every day doing to goes, uh, it was very different. We would come in, just do to goes, um, get out of the, leave the restaurant by, you know, 8 39, whereas regularly before we would get out until 11 30, 12 30, one o'clock sometimes after we're done. Uh, Break cleaning up and everything. So you know, all of us got a little, a little soft. So I just want to get everybody focused and get going. Um, like right now, we feel like we're busy and we don't even have seating at the sushi bar or the bar. It's just the patio and dining room. You know, we just need to get the team ready and back to normal and start start banging again. You know, to yeah. that 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 uh, level of service, but also um, productivity, but also the that level of service too. Yeah. It's just Back to normal and then then we think about doing something else um i have a lot of ideas but it just takes so much out of you the, the, the first six months of opening any new restaurant like it, it kills you you know you're physically there but also mentally like thinking about all the things that go wrong everything always goes wrong everything goes wrong the first month you know and then getting everything going so it takes a lot out of you after opening so many projects like yeah i Sometimes I get ideas like, oh, this sounds cool. And then I think about all the stuff. I'm, like, I'm going to sit on this for a minute. Yeah. But, um, I, uh, so uh, I'm doing a uh, home loan for a guy that owns all of the, you were in San Francisco. You remember Little Star Pizza? Yes. The yeah. deep dish place. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So that guy is blowing up and yeah. he's kind of taken advantage of all of the restaurants that have kind of gone out of business. Mm. And mm -hmm. as they're going out of business, he's just going in oh. and buying them up. Oh, uh, and he's checked this out. He's even bought all the way up into Portland and he's taking oh. over the uh, Pock Pock spot and the original oh. Pock Pock and turning it into a little star pizza. Oh, no. Great. So uh, do you see 
yourself doing something like take kind of taking over? I mean, you, I feel that weathered the storm, you could take advantage of this, you know, I've had already a few people, uh, reach out and had some opportunities of second gen locations, but I'm going to sit tight right now. I just want to know we have a really good thing going on with what we have right now. I just don't want to spread yourself too thin. Like I kind of felt that too, when we expanded fish face so quickly, like we opened that first one and we were killing it, doing great. And then within uh, two years, we opened up two, one in Emeryville, all the way in Emeryville, one in Carmichael, and, you know, sometimes you just can't spread yourself and your team too thin. Yeah. It's better to go slowly. And I feel like, no, we already have four locations, different concepts right now. It's just, you know, it's take it slow, you know, things, let things happen. Don't, don't force it. Before I was rushing it, uh, younger, had more energy. Um, <laughs> even like, <laughs> with Red Lotus, too, you know, like when I opened the crew, we took over GB Hurley's and we did Red Lotus. And, you know, close that place down. Like, it, it, it broke my heart. Um, closing a restaurant sucks, you know, and every time you have to close one, it doesn't feel good. You know, I, I want to do things. Opportunities will always be there. Yeah, yeah. Making that, that answer longer. But, you know, opportunities will always be there. You know, I just, wanna, just don't want to rush into it. One thing I want to do is make sure everything's going right now, going correctly and, and, and brought back to normal for all the current existing businesses. But one restaurant I always really, really want to do, and I know I will do in the future, is a omakase spot where we just strictly do omakase. And I mean, to get to that point, the other businesses need to be successful and stand and maintain everything. But I want to do a cool restaurant where I just work just open four nights a week, three nights a week, where, you know, like I was talking about earlier, how restaurants are businesses. That's yep. the most important. You'll have to make money. But I want to open this restaurant where I literally can make the food I want to make. You know, it's going to be like, I don't, there's no menu items I need to put on because I know I need to generate money or I have to put on this spirit on my list because I, even though I don't want it on my list, I have to put it on there because, you know, it makes money. Um, I want a restaurant like that where it's strictly, but we do omakase crew right now, but I want to have a little place open three, four nights a week where we strictly do omakase, just the set menu, whatever the price is, you sit down, you eat, and then you could do a beverage pairing or uh, just pick your stuff, but really cool idea. Just the, um, yeah, yeah, just omakase. And that's like, I really, really, really want to do that and focus on that. And, um, that's the one where we don't have to worry about making money. We have to just make them enough money to pay the staff, pay the rent, and then we just shoot and do all the food we want to do, the crazy stuff. And maybe and that's the place that we could try to get the accolades and Michelin star or whatever we want to do. I know originally when we first moved, we're like, oh, we want to try to do this, get all the accolades. But crew's a beast. It's a monster. You know, it's very, very, very hard to try to run everything and, and do these things. You know, so I was basically yeah. want little restaurant where this is how we do it very small team but we could get crazy with the food and and that's where we could like you know control everything yeah i saw you for a little bit i was getting kind of pumped that you were doing some pop-ups over at uh over at lemongrass there for a bit and then it kind of just disappeared and stuff what was going on there we're still we're still doing it uh first mike uh reached out to me uh like to just do something together and and i was busy at the time with all the fish faces and then we kept talking uh, she'll hit me up randomly here and there 
And finally, we talked about doing some uh, pop-ups together and getting some stuff going over there. Um, to see, she wants to, she's had that restaurant for so long, ran it so well, but, you know, she just wants to, you know, take it to the next stage, like the next iteration of where what it's going on. And she's asking me what I was thinking. I was like, well, let's just do some pop-ups here. Let's see what we could do. We planned out three. We did one that was actually a dine-in and we did one to go. Yeah. Because of the pandemic, but we did one that was, that was super fun. Like, uh, got a lot of people in there. Uh, we were planning to do a couple more, but then the pandemic hit and yeah. the restaurants got, that's what put everything on hold. And then we had so much fun on that first one. So I think we decided that we're going to, um, we're going to try to uh, relaunch the restaurant. We're going to bring these pop-ups back again uh, very, very soon. But we're all busy with getting our restaurants back open. But we're going to do the pop-ups again. And we're actually going to partner up. And we're going to uh, try to relaunch uh, Lemongrass with the updated menu. Um, we took advantage of the time of the shutdown and remodeled the restaurant. We did a little remodel. We did the bar. We got rid of the carpet that was in the restaurant and put uh, new flooring in. We did the restrooms and we're going to get new tables and chairs. Just give a little bit of facelift. Yeah. And then we're going to there and then um, just put some uh, modern tweaks on the menu. The food, the flavors, food's delicious already. We just wanted to just uh, uh, do some tweaks and, and just uh, tweaks on plating and then and tweak it a little bit. And, and, yeah. and just remind people again that, you know, how, how good the food is there. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, it did need a freshening. I live right up the street from it. So. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it needed a little freshening. I, I obviously I haven't seen the inside uh, in, in quite a while, um, but it needed a little freshening and the food needed to be kind of updated, mm -hmm. you know, the flavors, you know, I, it's delicious. Just a yeah. little updating, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's exactly what the goal was. And, you know, they have a uh, a bar there and we, we just re remodeled that chain's bar top. It's a beautiful bar and we need people in there. You know, we need to do some fun cocktails out of that, that, that bar, not just pour uh, beers and wine. You know, there's a, a bar. Let's just let's, let's use it. Yeah. How's the so who's do, who's doing your your wine list is also spot on with I go to a lot of places where you're like this is the worst the, like you're pouring napa cabs at a sushi restaurant like you just you <laughs> have that right so uh who's doing the wine for are you part of that or you have hired somebody out or uh part of it um but i have someone there uh our bar manager and now a uh, beverage director nick and also our general manager like we're all involved you know we're, we're we all have our departments but everybody is involved in in helping but a lot of it is done with uh, uh nick right now nick mono dolan he with the wine and also with the cocktails too yeah yeah uh, it's uh, absolutely he's perfect he's doing an amazing job yeah so um right now you had you said you had four places so you have two what two fish face no uh, we had three fish faces we closed down so we still have the one on our street we have crew. We have a Kodaiko ramen and bar on uh, across from Golden One Arena. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And then we also have a Healthy Hounds Kitchen in uh, East Sacramento, McKinley. Where's that? that? Uh, McKinley Boulevard uh, in East Sac. It's called Healthy Hounds Kitchen. So okay. 
it's not a it's not a restaurant for dogs, but we make dog food. <laughs> it's a human grade dog food. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. so we've had How for, did you do that? <laughs> what made that happen? So, so we've had that for about almost five years now, and I mean, excuse, it's not a plan, but it's a, it's a pet project between me and two of my really good friends. Uh, we're we're dog lovers. We love our dogs. We always had dogs, and you know, having dogs. Um, hardest part of having dogs is you know eventually you have to let them go. They get older, they get sick, they get cancer, they start losing their teeth. So, and you know, all of us went through our things of you know, cooking for our dogs, doing this that, and and, and Tim's first one um to cook for his dog. But he was in LA. They actually there's places down there that was had these uh concepts and ideas where it's like you know, fresh cooked food, not raw, but fresh cooked food, human grade. And he was buying it. And then when he moved back to Sacramento, he was like, there's nothing here. So he was cooking for his dog. And every time we hung out, we would joke around like, God, it's so much work. You know, wish uh, there's a place here. Or we'll say, let's just open one so we don't have to cook at home. And we just go get it. We were just joking around, joking around, talking about it. And then finally, Tim, one day, he was like, we keep talking about what we're not doing. He's like, I went out and found a spot and I got the lease. And we're like, what? The guys just went and did it. And they were like, Okay, cool. And so that's how it, it started. And and at first it was like, you know, we, we weren't making money. It was really, it was just a, a pet project. People were like, what are you guys doing? Are you guys opening up a restaurant for dogs? They're like, no, I mean, we're making dog food, but you don't bring your dog in to eat. Um, it's human-grade dog food. It's really cool. Everything, all the proteins we use is USDA graded. Uh, we even use the same rice from the same rice farmer that grows our rice for us at Crew and mm-hmm. Fish Faith. So, um, it's a Rue Enforcement Ranch, uh, Michael Bosworth's rice, right over here by Sleep Train Amphitheater, organic rice. But, you know, we find ways to use it. So for the restaurant and sushi, you want the perfect uh, grains of rice that's been milled. But, you know, during the processes, there's grains that break down this and that. But it's still the same organic rice, yeah. uh, but but you can't use it at, at crew. So we would use that and he'll separate everything and repackage it and sell it to us at a, a lower price and we'll use that for the dog food but essentially it's still the same rice that we use at the restaurant and all the chicken the beef everything that we use is uh usda grade human grade all the recipes me and my partners have eaten when we're testing it out all you need to you could eat it you just got to put salt and pepper on it uh my dog i said eats better than me he's on the the pork and quinoa recipe so he eats quinoa and pork <laughs> so that's what it is that, that's for uh Five years the first couple of years you know we never lost like it was just breaking even it was cool to see people come and, and like our product but the last three years it really just blew up like a, a it went up 40 percent during the pandemic really you know? yeah wow. so that's been, that's been really going through the roof we're just trying to figure out you know we had some opportunities to put the product in some stores but you know we, we want to grow slow grow that slow too yeah. we don't want to start expanding too quickly and make the, the product ending up not being the way we want it to be. But yeah. eventually we get the, the facilities and stuff, stuff where we could actually put it in like Market 515 or Whole Foods or, you know, one of these things, but we want to make sure we could do it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, heck, I know you uh, have a, a busy day ahead of you. It's Friday and you're getting ready to get after it. So um uh, I'll, uh, let you get going, but, uh, thank you so much, man, for, for everything. Yeah. Thanks for having me on and thank you for all the support all these years. Yeah. Yeah. 
You'll see yeah. multiple times. I had my Christmas party there last year and we were planning on it this year. And yeah. like you're in, you're just, just let your server know uh, uh, to let me know that you're there. And I'll come, come out and say hi. Cool. Sounds good. Well, take Thank care. You so Appreciate it, buddy. Talk to Bye. you. Bye.